The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers and run simple, you are exactly in the right place. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live. It's February 4, 2015. Where is the year going? If you're keeping track, this is live episode number 167 in a series we started back in 2011. Interesting topic today. Let's get started. The Buzz Travelers TMI. If you've been hiding under a rock, TMI stands for too much information. Hey, you all know the mantra in the customer service industry. It's the customer is number one. We love that from a customer standpoint, especially when you're in travel and hospitality industry. We want them to greet us by name. Yes, we do. And that's a requirement in so many parts of the travel and hospitality industry when you get on it. Well, maybe not on a plane. They can read your boarding pass. When you go to a hotel, welcome, Mr. Smith. Welcome, Mr. Jones. We love it. But today, so many of us who travel are sharing TMI-level personal data. It's just a lot of personal stuff on digital media. That means it's searchable. They can find us on Facebook. They can find us on Twitter. They can find us on Instagram if they want to. So the question of the day is, with this treasure trove of customer data out there readily available Nobody has to have a passcode to find out what you did last week because you're putting it on Facebook. How and when should the travel and hospitality industry use this wealth of information or should they not use it at all when they're trying to be customer-centric and create a special customized personalized experience for you. We have a great panel of experts calling from all over the world today because this is a global issue. The experts speak. Let me introduce my first panelist. It's Diva Senapathy. He is a vice president and the regional head of Services Americas at Infosys. We love having Infosys on the show. And here's a quote from Diva, from Jeff Bezos, who was a guest on Good Morning America. I was watching him talk today with Charlie Rose and, and uh, a bunch of other people. And here's the quote. The best customer service is if the customer doesn't need to call you, doesn't need to talk to you. It just works. Diva Senapathy at Emphasis, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing very well, Bonnie, and thanks Thank- for having me on the show. We're delighted to have you. Talk to me. Interesting quote from Jeff Bezos related to our topic today, please. All right. Um, It's a commentary born out of the notion that if the customer's needs are understood well and proactively addressed, that there is a possibility that the customer doesn't have to reach out to you for their needs. And um, 
I believe uh, the industry that we are speaking to today, hospitality and travel, has a long way to go there. And uh, as a lifelong technologist, I see a huge opportunity here for the industry to kind of drive to that ethos, that vision of a customer experience. But however, we are also talking about a very relevant topic as to how much of information is too much mm-hmm. and are we being too intrusive mm-hmm. uh, in the name of customer experience. I'm looking forward to the conversation today. How do we realize the Jeff Bezos vision without infringing on the privacy of the customer? Very, very interesting. And privacy is a very questionable term today, Diva. I think you'll agree because when we share so much out there on social, you can't say, okay, you, uh, the head, the, the bell captain at the such and such hotel, uh, I don't want you to know that I just bought a very expensive set of luggage and I expect you to have an extra pair of white gloves when you greet me at the car. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But is he spending his time looking me up before I get there? Uh, I know that hotel customers make a lot of special requests, and I'll throw in a couple of interesting anecdotes I found online later. Uh, but, Diva, when you travel, let me just ask you personally, what do you want them to know about you? Where's the line you draw? Well, I am uh, on the road uh, quite often, for most, uh, for mostly for business. Uh, I actually expect a certain predictability um, in being checked in and being certain services being made available to me. And uh, to an extent that uh, you know some of my preferences are well taken care of, I consider it as it's good. Um, I do believe the industry has still some way to go on that front, uh, uh, Bonnie, where we are. Uh, but I actually place a premium on a very predictable customer experience, given that I don't, uh, I would like to avoid surprises when I'm traveling for business. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, Diva. Good intro to our topic. I'm bringing up our second panelist now. It's Mike Wittenstein, founder and managing principal at Story Miners, and we'll ask him a little later about the company. And here's Mike's quote. I believe it's a Wittenstein original. In work, no matter how hard you try or how much you spend, your brand cannot be any better than what your customers experience. Bravo. Mike Wittenstein, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on today. Delighted to have you talk to me. Interesting quote. So it, it, so the experience is, it is what is. Perception is everything. Isn't that the old way of saying this, Mike? Exactly. A lot of times executives and marketers could get away by telling people what the great experience was they were going to have. And that was enough. They didn't really have to deliver it. But customers now are smarter, savvier. They demand more. They compare what you promise with what they get. And it better be spot on because... As Diva said, you know, we don't want surprises. We're depending on our vendors to give us what we ask for. And more and more, that's about experiences. Talking about this notion of privacy, we've never mm-hmm. minded before when people anticipate our needs. You know, you go to a really nice restaurant. You don't have to ask for a black or a white napkin. They notice, and they bring you the right, the right one so you don't get all those little cotton balls on your skirt or on your <laughs> tuxedo. It's really nice. If they go too far, however, it makes us feel creeped out. And when a machine does it, it feels kind of strange because maybe we don't know the intentions of the people behind the programming. So in my estimation, this whole notion isn't about how much you share or what the absolute rules are. It's a self-governance that hospitality, leisure, and travel folks need to put on themselves. They need to serve before they sell, use the information to make the experience better, safer, more personal, etc. never abuse the information, and don't mm-hmm. sell first. 
use it to serve first. Very well put. Mike, I, can you imagine if a hotel uh, concierge is told that a certain guest is coming, somebody who's high end on the income spectrum and they're very demanding and they're told by their management, go out and find everything you can about that person. Ten years ago, 15 years ago, they might have read a couple of press releases or something in the Hollywood rags about this person. Today, they can probably go on how many different social media sites, Mike, and find how much information. And th- this is that line we're talking about today and by the way i haven't formally stated our topic it's hotel guest personalization welcome or social media stalking and that's really our our line is it creepy is it stalking or is it oh wow you know what i need i'm so happy to be in your hotel happy to be on your boat or in your limo whatever it is so very fine line and that's what we're going to explore thank you mike and and welcome again and let's bring on our third panelist it's ragu ramanathan he is global general manager and senior vice president for services industries at sap and ragu is bringing us a quote from gilbert k chesterton I will tell you more about him in a minute. Here's the quote. Listen carefully. This is a little bit of a conundrum. The whole object of travel is not to set foot on foreign land. It is at last to set foot on one's own country as a foreign land. That's really profound. Raghu Ramanathan, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me, G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if he's been quoted before. He was born in 1874, passed away in 1936, and he was an English writer, a lay theologian, a poet, a philosopher, a dramatist, a journalist, an orator. I bet he traveled a lot. <laughs> Ragu, talk did. to me. And, uh, yes. He was the foremost political thinker of his time. And, you know, you know Bonnie, the, the basic point of this quote is travel truly changes perspective. The whole object of travel is to be energized, to be rejuvenated, to learn something new about other cultures. You know, in short, to come back with inspiration. There's something magical and elevating about travel that we seem to have lost in this world as travel gets more commoditized. Uh, If you look at the current travel market, um, what I see is most providers are focused on price. They say, hey, you can stay one night for the cheapest price, or I carry you from point A to point B. And they miss the opportunity to fundamentally engage on why the traveler is traveling. Very interesting. I, I have another quote from G.K. Chesterton, Raghu, if you'd permit me. This is a, another travel quote, but very, very funny. He says, let a man walk 10 miles steadily on a hot summer's day along a dusty English road, and he will soon discover why beer was invented. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw that in because in a minute we're going to get to the what's in your cup today, and I think Chesterton probably would have enjoyed a good beer. Great quote, Ragu, and and thank you for bringing in the idea that travel should be magical. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask the whole panel before we get to what's in your cup, when you travel for business, do you still expect it to be magical, or is it, oh, darn, another day, another plane, another connection, another hotel bed, what is my life becoming? Ragu, do you still find it magical when you travel for business? Um, I want it to be. I want it to be, Bernie. That's the best way to put it. I I don't divide business and pleasure. For me, if business is not fun, I don't want to do business. When I go to a different country, I want to understand and be excited and discover more about the country, even with my business associates who I will be meeting. Okay, let me go back to Diva Senapathy. Do you, when you travel on business, is it magical, or do you have to separate business and personal travel for that type of experience? Diva? 
Well, I have a very interesting perspective. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, this notion of uh, what do you expect when you're traveling? Um, what is the need? Uh, I think every individual has their own. I have mine. Um, having said that, I think the way the industry has taken the experience, uh, to a large extent, your expectations are well below what you would otherwise want to experience. Uh, it's, uh, as Raghu said, it's a very commoditized play today. Mm-hmm. As a consequence, personalization and customer experience is, is, is still some ways to go. So from that point of view, I've actually almost moderated my expectation to not expect much today mm-hmm. when I travel. Um, and, um, and then if I do make an effort at, uh, you know, at creating a very uh, magical experience, if I may, uh, when I travel with my family, I'm extremely diligent about where I go, uh, what's the review, what's the background, what's the place popular for. Um, so I do separate uh, from that perspective what I expect of my business travel versus personal travel, and to a large extent it's been moderated by what the industry has done about that experience. Thank you. Mike Wittenstein, travel, personal, professional, business, pleasure. What, what do you, any different set of expectations? No, just to learn as much as you can and to experience the world the way the locals do, whether it's for personal or for business. One of the things about personal travel that a lot of people like to do is plan out every moment of their vacation, and that's the last thing I like to do. I think part of a vacation is trying new routines and rituals, changing out the rule sets that you work with. You, you know, I kind of look for that different kind of freedom and to see how others react to it. Business is a little bit different. But at this, by the same token, when you're doing business travel, you're working with people usually from different countries. And it's very important to understand how they think, what they relate to, what their norms and paradigms are. So I very much like to uh, see the world the way they do and have them take me out to meet new things, try new foods, drink new drinks. It's just very, so I, I like the drink new drinks. I, I have to throw in before, I'm still putting off the what's in your cup segment. I found a website with a, let's see, it's called theindependenttraveler.com, and they have an article called You Want What? Bizarre Requests from Hotel Guests. I'm just going to throw in two or three. I know you're all going to laugh. Uh, here's a woman who wanted the hotel to arrange a pedicure with fish that are supposed to nibble the hard skin off around your toes. Here, <laughs> here was the Rolling Stones arrived. Listen to this. The Rolling Stones arrived. Arrived at a hotel with 222 pieces of luggage for two nights, okay? Don Henley, the rock star, comes with a bed stored in a truck and asks the hotel to set up his own bed, but he liked the bed at the hotel better, so he said, take my bed out and I'll use yours. Then they had a guest who asked for 20, 20 pounds of ice to keep his penguins cool because he was with the Boston Globe Travel Show, if you can believe that. And uh, here's a guest who was with the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and it was time to be inducted, and the man that year being inducted had a, a gray beard. It was Bruce Sutter. So 12 of his Baseball Hall of Famer friends went to the hotel and said, rent us 12 gray beards so that we can sit in the audience and we can all have the same beard as the inductee and that's all I'm going to tell you so the question is could the hotel have known this in advance I seriously doubt it but now I digress let's go back to Diva Senapathy now that I've got you all warmed up Diva the question of the day here on Coffee Break with Game Changers is always what's in your cup right now if you're drinking something interesting or if not what are you planning to drink after the show talk to me Diva 
Very, very relevant question here. I just landed this morning, very early in the morning, uh, in India. And um, I'm in the southern part of India right now. Um, I'm having this uh, uh, drink. It's, uh, it's a very unique version of coffee. It's called filter coffee. Um, it's made of a variety of the Peabody bean um, and with a mix of chicory, uh, heavy steamed milk, a little bit of sugar to go with it. And as a taste that goes back and reckons to the days when I grew up in India when I was in school, it's something that I look forward to every time I travel here. So I'm here enjoying a really hot filter coffee, as they call it. Mm, interesting. Thank you, Diva. Mike Wittenstein, where are you today? I know you're in the States somewhere, and what are you drinking? I am. I'm just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, in my home community of Marietta, Georgia. And believe it or not, that's where Dasani water by Coca-Cola is bottled. We are told locally, I don't know if this is true or not, I haven't validated it, but the water that we drink out of our plumbing systems is the same as you get out of the bottle. So I'm at the, the heart of Coca-Cola's water fountain. And I'm having a flavored Dasani right now. Oh, sounds good. What's the flavor? It's grape. Oh, grape Dasani. Very, that's water well, for those few, of you uninitiated. years from now, it might become wine. It might fit the, the mode a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that, Mike. Stick to your day job, please. <laughs> Raghu Ramanathan. Raghu, you are. Let's see, where are you calling from? You're in Germany. Where are you today and what are you drinking? That's right, Bonnie. I'm in Germany. It's evening here. Uh, right now, I'm sipping some tea, but uh, if you really ask me what I look forward to, I look forward yes. to going back home in the evening and drinking a cup of Horlicks. Um, Horlicks is an uh, interesting malted milk drink, uh, which uh, I grew used to when I grew up in India, similar to Deva. And uh, an interesting statistic for you, Bonnie, and, and maybe also for Mike, um, there are 5 million cups of Horlicks being drunk in India every day. That's twice as much as Coca-Cola. Wow. How do you spell that, Raghu? How do you spell that drink, Horlicks? It's uh, H-O-R-L-I-C-K-S. It's a British drink. Oh, Horlicks. I've heard of Horlicks. Yes, yes, yes. I think I've seen it here. Very, very interesting. Well, I have to tell you all that Malcolm Kimberl and my colleague at SAP, who's tweeting as sales underscore MKT, is, says he's enjoying Whole Foods Fair Trade French Roast. He says it gives him a boost of physical energy and mental well-being. Well, you go for it, Malcolm. I'm happy. And you know what? They only... <laughs> They only let Bonnie have plain water on radio show days. No caffeine for me, but after the show, I'm heading for the coffee. What can I tell you? We're off to a great start today. Our topic is is kind of a, a touchy-feely one because the question is, how much information when you travel? Do you want the hotel or the airline or whoever it is you're dealing with, the customer service person? How much do you want them to know about you before you get there? Do you want them to go searching everything on digital media and finding out everything and, and look at you and kind of laugh and say, <laughs> I know something about you you don't want me to know, but welcome, Mr. Jones. We are in a very interesting conversation here. The topic today, the formal topic is hotel guest personalization. Welcome, Matt, or social media stalking. I'm Bonnie D. Graham speaking with Diva Senapathy at Infosys, Mike Wittenstein at Storyminers, and Raghu Ramanathan at SAP. Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial will be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. I'm speaking today with Diva Senapathy at Infosys, Mike Wittenstein at Story Miners, and Raghu Ramanathan at SAP. Our topic today, hotel guest personalization. Welcome, Matt. I inserted the word Matt into the title. It wasn't originally welcome, Matt, or social media stalking. We're about to start our 30-minute nonstop roundtable. A lot of conversation going to happen here, so listen in carefully. Diva Senapathy at Infosys, I'm going to start with you, and I'm looking at your notes, Diva. You sent me the following statement. And I think it's a great start to our roundtable. You said, with the influx of technology and social tools, personalization in the hospitality industry is increasingly evolving. And here's what I want to talk about, Diva. You say, many lessons and benchmarks have to be learned from online retailers. Adoption and integration of newer technologies are critical for services companies. Diva, why don't you get us started, please? Go ahead. Sure. Um, well, it's... Um it's a reasonably uh, fair hypothesis to make. Uh, the retailers have led the way, um, leveraging most of what's happening in technology around analytics uh, to drive uh, fairly unique and personalized customer experiences. Now, they have the benefit of a simpler problem statement to solve, which is there is a consumer who has a need. Mm-hmm. As a retailer, you have a product that you can sell, and then there's a product that meets that need, and then there's experience around buying and experiencing that product. Um, I think there are very distinct objects here, very distinct interaction points here that can be, uh, you know, as, as we do more and more in the e-commerce space with consumers, can be monitored, can be uh, reviewed, and can be used to improve uh, performance. I think the challenge kind of bringing forth from the experiences that retail has driven in moderating customer experience and behavior into hospitality is a much more complex offering. Um, The concept of staying for a vacation, for travel, uh, for business, or potentially uh, flying from one place to another. How do you really bring some of the innovation that we have seen in the retail industry to come to bear on a couple of different things. One, Mm -hmm. capture the right information in driving the personalization. Number two, how do you capture that information and integrate that into the workflow, uh, into the various touch points the customer is experiencing 
as part of experiencing the product here, which is two days of stay or three days of stay or traveling from place A to place B, and make that a DNA and a culture of the organization overall, right? So uh, the, the point uh, uh, or net of the point I was making here is retail has had the benefit of uh, a simpler problem statement to solve, technology has evolved to solve it, and they've created some innovations there. It's beginning to moderate customer experience and customer behavior. How do we bring some of those experiences and start making tangible, definitive, directional moves uh, in the hospitality industry? That was the thought there, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Diva. Mike Wittenstein, chime in. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to take a pass. I'm still thinking. Oh, okay. That's fine. Never happened before, but go ahead. Uh, that's fine. Well, I'll get back to you. Regu Ramanathan at SAP. Thoughts on what Diva brought up about uh, relationship of analytics and, and our hotel and our hospitality industry and online real retailer lessons. Any thoughts there? Sure, Bonnie. I think the first thing I want to say is um, Dave is spot on. There's a lot for travel industry to learn in general, not just from retail, but from other industries. Um, I was just looking at a recent survey by MailChimp on all email marketing campaigns. And you'll be interested to note that the travel industry ranks 31st out of 40 industries in terms of its success rate. So that shows you very clearly the travel industry has not really got personalization into an art, into a successful art at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one thing in particular that I think is very um, important what the retailers do. They've learned to do it well over time, and I think the travel industry can learn from that, and that's omni-channel experience. If you look at a retailer, you know they all started with a physical presence, and they've learned to go online, and they've learned to combine their online and physical assets to maximum effect. Uh, the travel companies are still far away from doing this. Interesting, Diva. I, I'm thinking about the the messages that teachers, educators, colleges have been given to teenagers the past, I don't know, at least three to five years, saying be careful what you put online. Same advice for job seekers or somebody who may mm-hmm. potentially want to find a job. You know what I'm talking about, Mike and Diva and, and Ragu. Yes, and and th- they say, be careful what you put online. It sticks. It's always going to be there. It's never going to go away. Put it on Instagram. Put it on, put pictures out of, of drinking binges or, or put funky pictures about how angry you are with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mother, your father, your teachers. It sticks. It's out there. And now, I, I don't know if anybody has said to people, and I'll pose this to the whole panel. See, I don't know if anybody has said to, to people, be careful what you put out there because your hotel concierge might know too damn much about you when you walk in the lobby. And it's tempting to try and use it in a nice way or a cute way, but it could come back to what you say, whoa, I feel like I've been stalked. I don't think anybody has said this to the traveler. Uh, since you were last to speak, Ragu, what do you think? Should this be a warning to travelers to be careful what what they put out there in general? Um, you know, Bonnie, I share some of your concerns when it comes to recruitment. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> it's become standard practice for many companies to search public profiles to see what is yes. the kind of person that they're recruiting. But I yes. think when you're talking about travel, you're not talking about somebody who's hiring you, but rather somebody who's serving you. And I think mm-hmm. that's an important distinction. Um, so from that perspective, um, I would encourage people um, within reasonable bounds to be very open with the travel service provider as long as they earn your trust and prove that they can provide convenience, safety, value in return. Okay. 
Diva, agree, disagree? Uh, well, I, I, I quite wholeheartedly agree with Raghu. Um, I think there are uh, uh, slightly different influences in terms of what is that information being used for. Um, I wanted to add uh, uh, one other observation. Uh, I think the the demography of the group in consideration has, has a very significant relevance to play. Um, what I do notice, though, with uh, the Gen Y crowd is uh, people want to share. It mm-hmm. is in their nature to share more freely, right? Now, mm-hmm. to a large extent, as the as the world evolves into uh, you know into this sharing information, what you're doing, you know, what are you experiencing, your likes, your dislikes, almost a kind of a real-time journal. Um, some level of self-policing from the industry um, to ensure that the information is being used for about the right reasons. And I think for services, there is services industries particularly, there is a lot that this information could be used for good. Mm-hmm. Um, is going to be a critical aspect of how things evolve, uh, at least in the near term. Um, I would actually be surprised if the trend changes where people stop sharing. Um, Interesting. I think we are going into a world where we are going to find people being more open to sharing. I mean, I can I can speak for myself. I was I was one of the few people who were very very social media shy, um, but um, uh-huh. I can believe the transformation in myself over the last several years. Um, I do actually share. Uh, I haven't seen that come back and hurt me in, in the context of, well, you know, what am I sharing? <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, um, I think uh, we are going to see a trend uh, where that becomes the nature of the game going forward. Yeah, Bonnie, I, Thank this you. is Mike. Um, I think that's really important. Yes. Uh, that we, there, there are two things going on. There are people who are smart enough to just live a good life, to be a mensch, to realize that anything about them can be observed and possibly shared by third parties. So mm-hmm. your best defense is a good offense. Live a good life. On the <laughs> other hand, yes. we're relying on folks to capture information about us, but I don't think that goes far enough. I think to have the best travel experiences, we might want to consider sharing even more information with travel and hospitality providers. Let me give you an example. I'll, g- I'll give you two. Mm-hmm. When I, in, in the, comparing back to retail, retailers know at the last possible minute when somebody needs something. So stockouts and supply chain are one of their big issues because if you don't have the item in store, you go away, you go somewhere else. Travel, on the other hand, has the exact opposite going on. They know well in advance when you're going to be traveled. They even encourage you with lower prices to book sooner. So mm-hmm. they know more earlier. But what do they do with that information? Absolutely nothing other than maybe check the weather if you're flying. I wouldn't mind using my gold passport at my favorite hotel and letting them hook into my LinkedIn or hook in, into my calendar if it was a company and a brand that I respected. So they would know where I need to be and when and could then help anticipate my needs a little bit better. I wouldn't mind using a little product by a company called Estimote. It's a, they make beacons and attaching it to my nightstand so that it could check my calendar and connect to the alarm clock and wake me up at the right time based on the instructions I have set in my phone rather than having to make that extra call and hope that they really do wake me up or schedule two or three wake-up calls because in the past that doesn't work. So I think that hoteliers in particular could go farther and do more if we would share more pertinent information with them. Who are we meeting with? Where are we going? What do we need to do? And, Mike, the key word there was 
Keyword was pertinent. Pertinent. I think that's what we're talking about. The difference between knowing, anticipating, creating a one-on-one, customized, personalized, relevant, and respectful customer experience rather than just, you know, opening up the, what we used to call it, opening up the kimono and saying, well, what do we know about this person? You're right. Relevant and specific to that traveler at that moment in time. And I know that you have written about on your blog anticipation in, in this industry. Thank you, Mike. That was great. Uh, Diva? You want to comment or ragu on what Mike just added? Yeah, I wanted to make a quick statement, Bonnie. Ragu here. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I completely agree with Mike that the that the privacy is not at the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is what are you giving me in return for the data that I provide you? And currently, the industry is letting people down. Uh, I think the moment the equation changes, you will find especially, like Deva said, Generation Y, the the millennials, they're completely open to share. Deva, you want to come in on this? Um, Well, I would have to, I would just tie the dots and say, I agree. Okay. uh, I think, um, uh, you know, my key takeaway on that topic, Bonnie, is uh, the issue is around the pertinency of the data as against uh, uh, a challenge around privacy. I don't think we're even there yet. It's Mike again. I think that idea of pertinence of the data is key because what's pertinent Mm -hmm. might be different based on who you're talking to. For a customer, they might have a definition of really good service or experience that their hotel or their airline doesn't share. So being extant, being clear, having conversations about that with your suppliers, with your loyalty programs is a first step to making sure that that definition of pertinent is one that both sides can trade successfully on. Very interesting. Thank you. Mike, I'm looking at some more of your talking points, your notes you sent me before the show, and there's so much, so many good places we can go. Um, I'm looking at, uh, why don't we talk about customer service department is where problem customers go, yet we're talking about customer experience here. You want to distinguish between customer service, customer experience, and, and it, wouldn't it be nice if a great customer experience led someone to go to customer service and say, yes, you rocked it. I had a great experience. Thank you, rather than you missed this, you missed that, this was awful. So what do you think about, is there an intersection? Absolutely. You just wrapped it up, though, so nicely. Wouldn't it be great a few years from now if people would (laughs) compliment the service department for service? Mm -hmm. What I think happens is uh, retailers in particular, it's also true of some of the airlines and hotels that I use, they have a department with the name customer service on it, which is basically from the 50s, and the They also have an idea of a perfect customer that they organize their operations around. If a customer doesn't show up as perfect, and no customer is, eventually they step outside of the operating boundaries, the systems that the company set up, and they don't want to discard them. They don't want to be rude to them, so they send them over to a place that can help them. But basically, it's where problem customers go because they're the customers who don't fit the mold of the streamlined, uber-efficient operation that the companies defined. Usually they define that perfect customer as a singularity. There is one perfect customer. Anybody else, send them to customer service, and we'll use the hero method over there to make sure that they're met. So it depends on the attitude and the skill and tools available to the person that's assigned to you at random as to how well your issue is going to be resolved. Does that make sense so far? 
Yeah, it does. And, you know, this reminds me of the quote that Diva Senapathy contributed to the show in the beginning from Jeff Bezos and Amazon. The best customer service is if the customer doesn't need to call you, doesn't need to talk to you. It just works. And you agree with that, Mike? You know, I do for services where things are very, very simple and you just want them to work. If I want bricks delivered to my driveway so that I can build uh, a, 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 a piece of a road or a wall, I just want them delivered. Don't call me. Don't bug me. I got my guys. We've got to get to work. On the other hand, if I'm doing something that's a little bit more specialized, I would like more interaction, and that would be my norm. So I don't think that Jeff Buse's approach is right for everyone. The idea of running your business in sync with your customers' needs, I totally agree with. The idea of not needing to adjust the way you work, I think that's where a lot of companies are falling down because they don't know how to make those real-time adjustments and change how they deliver service for their customers. That's where they're falling down. Thank you, Mike. Diva, you want to comment? We're talking about your quote you gave us. Sure, sure. So I have a utopian view on what Jeff Bezos talked about, and I believe in that. Um, well, if um, specific to the industry that we are talking about, hospitality, right, um, if you really look at how the service gets delivered today, uh, the brand, the hospitality brand, uh, creates a certain perception of what you should expect, right? And I agree with Mike that customer experience against that perception of the brand is managed through an exception process because you have one workflow that defines how a customer would go through the process of experiencing that service. But when an exception to that process happens, you need someone to troubleshoot it, right? So the mindset here mm-hmm. is... How do you troubleshoot those exceptions? Um, my view, uh, the medium-term view, is if we can do what Raghu said earlier, which is, uh, and Mike contributed as well, around understanding the customer better uh, through programs. It could be loyalty programs. It could be repeat customer programs. Uh, you understand the customer's need better. There are more meaningful ways by which you can integrate the needs and schedules and plans, uh, you know, technologically into how that service is being rendered and delivered through the customer experience process. The chances are technology could enable bridging that gap so that you can Mm -hmm. create that personalization as against managing to what I call process today is one size fits all. If there is an exception, let's call into customer experience, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the ability to evolve and continuously adapt and adopt the processes, the people systems that are supporting uh, the services value chain, Uh, for example, in hospitality, leveraging technology, that's going to be the holy grail and I guess uh, the utopic view in terms of where we could go. And I do think that the data and, and technology that's available today and as it's evolving can lead us there. Thank you, Diva. Raghu, I want to bring you in because I'm, I'm looking at your notes here. Very interesting point, and, and this might be a mm-hmm. really good segue for us. The first point you sent me was the travel industry is relatively unsophisticated in engaging with customers and building loyalty. And then you add later in your notes, insight without execution is meaningless. So how unsophisticated are they? Let's do a, a level set here, a check. Uh, what, what's your, if you had to rate the travel industry on engaging with customers, building loyalty, uh, customizing customers? customizing experiences, what would you say? Would you give them an A, a B, a C, a D overall? Thoughts? Yeah, I would give them a C, just about. Ooh. Uh, <clears throat> and I'm sure you want to know why. Of course. 
Mm. So, um, you know, I did explain already in terms of their uh, email response rates, Bonnie, and how poor it is compared to other industries. There is another very pertinent point. Um, if you look at social networks, for example, in Facebook, travel is the number one topic that is talked about on social networks. Um, 51% of all Facebook users say they dream about travel when they get onto Facebook. And interestingly, Facebook publishes statistics about how different industries leverage Facebook and travel industries again on the bottom of the pile. So, so there is something about the travel industry where I think they've graduated to level one, which is they've collected a lot of data about the customers, and they're starting to understand what I call superficial preferences. You know, I like this newspaper. You know, I like this wine. Uh, you know, I like this uh, suite on the third floor, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, that's, you know, if you understand the model of human behavior, that's just level one. Level two be- below that is, you know, why am I traveling? What is the purpose of my travel? You know, I really liked what Mike said earlier in the show. You know, when he goes, uh, you know, to a business in Barcelona, he wants to understand how the Catalans think, right? So that's what I'm here for in Barcelona. What are you going to do as a travel partner to help me? And then mm-hmm. a third level even below that is who am I, right? What are my leanings? Am I introverted, extroverted, a private person? You know, what, what do I like to do? You know, am I adventurous? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think travel industry has started scratching the surface of all the different layers. They're still at level one. They're still collecting data. Uh, I agree with Deva that there's a ton of information out there. Uh, it's about how you use technology today, and there's a lot of potential for modern technology to help them with level two and level three. Hey, Thank Roger, you, Raghu. This is Mike. Go ahead, Mike. I agree with you yes. on two points. First, I'd give them a C, probably a low C, and I love your three levels. That's terrific. The airlines I fly and the trains I, I use, the, the companies are really good at flying the planes and running mm-hmm. the trains and driving the buses, but they're not very good at moving people. And by moving me, I mean move my body and move my soul. There's almost, I feel like sheep, you know, bah, walk on, walk off. I'm just being herded like an animal and have to carry my own stuff physically. It's very demanding. There's nothing that wraps around to make it a, a really a better experience, especially in light of the needs that you represented at those three levels. I think that's brilliant. Very good. Good, good points all. Uh, Diva, you want to chime in on this one? We've got a lot, lot on the table here. Well, uh- Oh, very, very strongly. I support uh, that we, uh, you know, the industry is at a C. Um, you know, I will actually uh, uh, go on to quote a few uh, data points here. Um, you know, creating. Um, uh, I think Raghu, uh, it was it was a well articulated uh, pyramid of experience uh, uh, that that the industry should be looking to. Um, if you look at um, the major players in the hospitality space today. Um, on fairly simple things like booking, point-of-sale systems, product management systems, their loyalty and ticketing. Today, most of them operate anywhere between three to four. That's just an average. Disparate mm-hmm. systems that don't talk to each other or they don't talk well with each other. Yeah. Uh, that's the nature of maturity of technology in, that, in the industry today. Um, it's under-invested from that point of view. And it's a very significant challenge, despite the aspirations to get the opportunity here, as well as aspirations to go where you want to go, on personalization of customer experience um, that, uh, that's limited by 
currently their technology landscape. It's limited by the transition that's happening in terms of the service mindset uh, around the dimension of people and organizational culture um, to essentially leverage and support that customer experience. Uh, so I think the opportunities are there. Um, I think the industry needs to kind of find a trade-off between um, having to manage costs as against deliver value and in the longer term be able to kind of make a profitable business model out of this. Um, I think we are beginning to start seeing some early signs of uh, directional shift there in terms of where the investments are happening. Um, but um, to add color to Raghu's commentary, there is so much of data available. Travel is number one in terms of the most talked about topic in social media. But however, it's least leveraged by the industry. It speaks volumes for what needs to change there. Good point, Steve. I have a question for you and the whole panel. I think we're going to skip our break because we're at 46 after. We have 12 minutes left, and, and I'd like to keep this roundtable going a little longer before we go into predictions. So question for you, Diva, is does the travel industry really care at this point? You need to get on a flight. You need to get on a train. There really aren't that many choices, sometimes based on the schedule or the proximity of the airport, whatever. But to me, this sounds like it would be more important for hotels where you do have many, many more choices. Should we make that distinction between the, the hotel hospitality industry and the actual travel portion of that industry? Diva, thoughts? Well, um, I'll just make one quick observation there. Um, Bonnie, uh, I do believe that if you lose the last mile of the relationship with the customer, eventually you will become a utility, you will manage for mm -hmm. cost, and you will get commoditized out of the business. It has happened in publishing. It has happened in several industries in the past. Yep. Okay. So uh, it does what matter. What we're seeing today is mm -hmm. um, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. What we're also seeing today is um, companies out there that are actually leveraging the commoditization of these services are playing aggregators, have better access, better technology, better experience to deliver to the customer in terms of giving control of what the customer wants to buy and experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about the, the aggregators there that sell, uh, you know, uh, that provide comparison shopping and, and such, uh, you know, in this industry. Uh, so if I were to kind of take that view from an hospitality and a travel perspective, uh, I do believe that the providers of these services, the brick and mortar companies that are providing the services, with the exception of a few, are increasingly moving towards the commodity end. Of course, they have to find um, find the way back to kind of owning and establishing and maintaining and sustaining relationships. And I believe I believe the customer experience angle, um, improving that personalization angle, uh, improving the loyalty quotient, is the way to go. Okay, Mike, thoughts on this? I'm sure you have some. <laughs> I'm not going to take a pass on this one. That's <laughs> I know that, dear. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I want to take everyone's attention for a second over to the travel agent. Now, the travel mm -hmm. agent is the one who books all these different modalities of travel for a passenger. Let's, let's assume it's a leisure. It could be a business event meeting kind of a thing. But they've got to package seven, eight, nine different brands into one experience. And guess who's accountable if anything goes wrong? The, the agent. travel agent. Right. That's right. And is that fair? I don't think so. Poor travel agent doesn't have any say over how these other companies operate. And that's because that's right. he or she doesn't control them, can't really right. share any information with them other than a passenger name record, that big, long, appended 
reservation form in the cloud that everyone seems to attach something to. Well, wouldn't it be cool if that travel agent could actually orchestrate the way some of those different service providers would perform for a given guest or passenger traveler? All of a sudden, you could get better service. You could have fewer interruptions from advertising and questions and service process types of issues. The value that you get could go up, and of course, the experience would be so, so much better. So I'm hoping that we move beyond loyalty and personalization as disguises for selling people more stuff and really put the service back into the experience and make that the design point, make that paramount. That's where the smart money should be, in my opinion. Thank you. Good opinion. Raghu Ramanathan, I'm going to let you chime in on this one, and then we're going to move quickly into our crystal ball predictions round. Raghu, thoughts? Sure, Sure, Bonnie. You know, I agree with Mike what he just said, but I have to disagree with what you said earlier. Okay. It's only relevant to hotels and maybe other service providers like airlines. We don't have a choice. I I want to prove this point with a simple example. Um, You know, one of my customers is Society Transport Montreal. They are the public um, travel service provider in Montreal, subways, buses, etc. You could argue they have no competition, right? So they can do whatever they want. But the reality is that they realized there were alternative choices everybody makes and all the young people of Montreal were no longer traveling in the subways. Mm. Uh, so there is competition. And what they did is, uh, connecting what Deva said, they used technology very smartly. They asked themselves, what do the young people of Montreal want? Uh, They want to be connected. They want to be social. They want to be friends with everyone. They want to be green and eco-sensitive, which is all something that a public transportation system can play up to. And they know the location. They have the location technology. So they started to make very intelligent offers, personalized based on location. You're going on a date. We'll tell you where the flowers are, where the restaurants are. And by the way, instead of loyalty points, we give you tree points to show how much trees you've saved. So, and, and, you know, and this completely changed the experience for the travelers and gave the higher purpose for the young travelers who came back in droves and now use the transportation system. So just to make that point, all segments of travel face competition one way or the other. Thank you. Great point. I sit corrected. I have some other things to say, but we're short on time. We'll have another conversation another time. It's time for our crystal ball predictions round. We have about a minute and a half for each of you to share your predictions. Diva Senapathy at Infosys, I'm going to go to you first. Can you look ahead to the year 2020 or what year do you see or what day, month, and minute and hour do you see in your crystal ball in terms of our topic today, hotel guest personalization, travel guest personalization, welcome Matt or social media stalking where will we be at what time in the future Diva 90 seconds go very good Um, Bonnie I see uh, not too far away 2020 um, the industry evolving to a point largely enabled by the access to social data that moderates uh, understanding uh, broad trends and behavior personalized experiences to evolve to a place where I, as a traveler, can broadly articulate my need in a free-form way. It could be be an agent, it could be a system that that understands my requirement well enough, my personal needs well enough, 
and can put together a unique package of an offering as it relates to that travel experience, to that, uh, you know, to that service experience um, that I can predictably get. Um, I also anticipate that to an extent the value gets to that point, to the consumer, the pure play price sensitivity that today a lot of the travel agents and the aggregators are driving to will, will begin to start uh, shifting direction towards more value-based buying as against just price-based buying today. Thank you very much. Mike Wittenstein, you're up. Minute and a half. Predictions. What do you see coming down the pike for guest personalization in travel and hospitality? Mike? I think that as providers use technology, personalization, and algorithms better, they're going to be able to start the experiences sooner for their guests and end them later. For example, advertising, instead of being a one-way shout-at-you mechanism, might become a two-way conversation and let providers gather information about your preferences. Loyalty programs will serve you before they sell to you, and I especially hope that we're at level Mm -hmm. two, maybe even level three, as Ragu pointed out. So I think there's going to be more coordination between players, you know, airlines, car rental, and hotel, to provide seamless end-to-end experiences, not just choices of what's available today, but new services that are custom-manufactured, if you will, and delivered at the time you need them. And in summary, I think the technologies behind all this personalization and privacy aren't good or bad. It really depends on the character and the intent of the individuals, the humans, and the brands using them that determines, you know, whether it goes dark or it stays on the light side and really helps us out. Thank you, Mike. Mike, in one sentence, what do story miners do? Tell us. I I wanted to ask you before, and we're almost out of time. What do you do? Thanks. We help companies find their story, understand their customers, and what they really are made to do, and then deliver better better experiences so they can be a better story. Because a story is what happens when you get a good experience, and that's where word of mouth comes from. So we're the designers in between. This is who I think I am, and this is what we need to deliver to our customers. Thank you. Great to have you on the panel. And let's turn to our third guest. It's Raghu Ramanathan at SAP. Raghu, I give you a minute and a half like I gave the other gentleman. What do you see coming down the pike? How far in the future can you predict any changes to this topic? So so I have two predictions, Bonnie. So the first one is I think if the industry goes the right way, in about 10 years we'll talk about an integrated travel partner. Um, I really think there is no um, viable case for a travel partner to be just a hotel or an airline or a taxi. I think you're going to talk about exactly as Mike said, uh, travel agents who can integrate seamlessly the experience. And I say partner because imagine the best travel we've all had when we were backpacking, when we were going with friends. Imagine having a friend who was a partner in your travel, in your adventure. That's what the travel company of the future is going to be. They're going to be your partner. So that's one prediction. The second prediction is to make that happen. I think technology is going to play a key role. Um, In the past, technology was indeed a limitation. It was a good excuse for not able to do a lot of these things. But it's gone. We have the emergence of the networks, like the social networks like Facebook. We have the emergence of mobile and uh, real-time technology that can crunch through massive amount of data in a second, and predictive technologies, which are very sophisticated in getting to the level three of what I talked about. So I think the smart, integrated travel partner will leverage these technologies to emerge as the best 
buddy, the friend of the traveler. Thank you, Raghu. I have to stop you. We're out of time. Thank you so much for your predictions, everyone. Diva Senapathy from Infosys. Thank you for being on our panel. Mike Wittenstein at Story Miners as well. And Raghu Ramanathan at SAP. Shout-outs to Brad Borkin at SAP who helped bring us this wonderful topic, Pramod Pratap and Infosys. Thank you for supporting this. Brad Comer and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I can predict very clearly that this afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, I will be back right here on the Business Channel with another live edition of our show called The Customer Edge with Game Changers. And I can predict with great certainty that the topic will be the modern customer journey not your old marketing funnel you don't want to miss this one and tomorrow morning we'll be here with another episode of innovating innovation with game changers i'm bonnie d graham here's my call to action you know what's coming fasten your seatbelt, especially if you're going to be on a plane a train a boat or a car what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today thanks all have a great one bye bye thanks again for tuning in to coffee break with game changers presented by sap The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.